The devil's going to shoot at us. How many times have I told you, if he can't mess your church up, what will he do? Join it. So we don't need to give him the bullets. Amen. He knows that if he can divide us, he can defeat us. You're listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hillard. Glad you're with us as we continue our study of Galatians chapter 4. And pastor, I think most of us would recognize the fact that the devil is going to shoot at us. We do face temptation um, all the time, it feels like. But when you say the devil may join our church, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if the devil is in your church, my question would be, who did he ride with? Hmm. You know, he uses people is my point. Um, and so we need to realize uh, if you're a pastor, it's really not your parishioners. I, I know. I say it all the time. I'm facetious, you know. I'll say my board of deacons has become a board of demons. And you do know the difference between a deacon-possessed church and a demon-possessed church. You can cast the demons out, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But but in reality, uh, I need to know it is not God's people. It's the devil that's working through us. Yeah. Parishioner is not your pastor. It's the devil working through your pastor. In other words, we sometimes, Steve, give him the upper hand to be able to influence our thinking, hmm. which ultimately influences our decisions. You know, I hate to get the Bible in this, but now a word from our sponsor. Uh, what did Jesus say to Peter when Peter said, uh, he said, I'm going to the cross. Peter said, not so, Lord. Yeah. What did he say? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Why did he call Peter Satan? Believers can't be possessed. Sure. sure. Okay, but they can be oppressed. And so I take it to mean that Jesus was saying, you are allowing the prince and power of the air, the devil, to influence your thinking because hmm. the battlefield yeah. is the mind. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost, whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. Now, somebody just said, but that's an unbeliever. Well, Second Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 7 talks about the fact that we are not warring after the flesh, but it's a war for our minds mm -hmm. as believers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what he's trying to do. Influence us. So then what does he use? He uses division. He uses discouragement. He uses what I call the DDs. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And that's what he wants to use to try to divide the body of Christ because a house divided can't stand. And those DDs, the division and, and that, is that the bullets that you were talking about just a, a few moments ago? All right. That's so it. I think now, you, if you've been listening, paying attention, <laughs> you know where we're going today. Oh, yeah. Grab a Bible and join us in Galatians chapter four as we look at this uh, a little bit more deeply and continue the message, A Threefold Appeal. Here is Pastor Ford. Uh, Paul, as we have studied uh, previously, uh, is giving an argument uh, for grace against the law. And he wants us to understand it, so he reiterates it over and over and over again. He comes at it different ways. In his thinking, 
the more ways he can expose them to the truth of their liberty in Christ, uh, the easier it will be for them to get it. And uh, I think Paul has great argument here. Uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and goodness to us. Help us to comprehend your word that we may apply it to our lives for Christ's sake. Amen. Two little girls were crying and uh, a man uh, saw them and out of the kindness of his heart went over to them. They were about three or four. And, and he said, why are you crying to the first little girl? She lifted up her dolly and she lifted up the arm of her dolly and she said, my dolly's arm came off. He said, well, let me see it. And so he took it and he put it back on. She said, thank you. He looked at the second little girl. He said, now, why were you crying? What's wrong with you? She said, nothing's wrong with me. I was just crying with her. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. You know what it reminds me of? Say, what does it remind you of? Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's what it says. If you look at it, um, you know, I did a message entitled, That's What Friends Are For. That's been like over 20 years ago. Uh, but I talked about from Proverbs, the 10 elements of true friendship. This is where I started because two elements of genuine friendship is captured in this verse. A friend loves at all times. That is, a friend is a person that has two things, a brother born for adversity, compassion and commitment. Compassion and commitment. Now, you know, come on, let's all say it together. What's my definition for compassion? Your pain in my heart. And then commitment. I like, like, like when you begin to look at what those two little girls did, hey, that was it. That was it in a nutshell. That here she was, she was, she understood, even if she never read the Bible, that the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. And what's the other part? Weep with those who weep. That is, when it comes to who we are as the body of Christ, we are connected one to another. What you do affects me and what I do affects you. And when are we going to realize that for real, for real? When are we really going to have your pain in my heart? When is that going to take place? Now, I know some of you saying, I already do it, Pastor. Okay, okay. And so the church is called the body of Christ. Why would you call us a body? So we can get a mental picture of how interconnected and interdependent we are one to another. You need me. I need you. You're not complete without me. I'm not complete without you. And he wants us to understand that. In fact, he calls us a body because we are vitally and victoriously connected one to another. All through the New Testament, you've read it before, we have these reflexive pronouns. What's a reflexive pronoun? They bounce off of one another. 
they're not independent of one another. And, and so let me run through some of them. And, and why did, does he give them? To reiterate our connectiveness and to give us various facets and aspects of how uh, we are to maintain that connection. Now, don't try to take these down. You can get a concordance and go through and pick them out if you want. It's not exhaustive. Let me give you about 20 of them real quick. Romans 12, 5, we are members one of another. And so don't cut your nose off to spite your face. Why? Because then you won't be able to breathe right. You, you see? And, and so he says, Romans 12, 10, be devoted one to another. There's the commitment aspect. Uh, Romans 10, 12, honor one another. That is lifting up each other, ascribing praise to one another for what we're doing. Romans 12, 10, be preferring one another. No, you go. No, you go. No, no, let me do it for you. No, let me do it for you. Preferring one another in love. Romans 15, 3, be a of the same mind uh, one with another. How can you do that? Because we have the mind of Christ. And so we are to think like Christ thinks. And that's why we need the word so we can be programmed by the word and not programmed by the world. So then we understand then that the more I get into the word, well, then I hate to get the Bible in this, but now we're from our sponsor. Faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Oh man, when is that ever going to happen in the church? You know, I don't know. he got us, he got this, he wears this, she this, she that. Romans 15, 14, admonish one another. That is encourage one another. 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. Galatians 5, 12, serve one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2, forbearing with one another. That is putting up with each other. Because in the church, everybody's not going to be. Listen, have you ever noticed that everybody has two sides? The side you like and the side you don't. Uh, so he says, uh, Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another. First Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another. John 13, 35, love one another. James 5, 16, pray for one another. Now, that's not exhaustive. But you, do you get the plethora of what the scriptures is trying to get us to do when it comes? And it's amazing to me how easily we discount these kinds of things. As a matter of fact, Paul said this way, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What, what, what does it mean to keep? Guard that you are a century for the, the things that I said. Uh, you're the century. You know, people say, well, you know, I just saw somebody disrespect somebody. And so, uh, you know, my name is Bennett. I ain't in it. Why not? Why don't you go to the brother or sister and say, can I speak to you for a moment in private? Uh, I saw what you did. And do you think that that was done in love? Or do you think that was something that encouraged us uh, as members one of another? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we need to do. It's a good challenge for us today, isn't it? You're listening to Treasure Truth and a message called A Threefold Appeal, and we'll get back to this teaching in just one moment. If you ever want to learn more about past and upcoming broadcasts, as well as download each program, you can always come to our website. It's treasuredtruthradio.org. And if you do want to be able to listen on the go, not only can you sign up to podcast this program, but you can download the Moody Radio app, and that way you can listen whenever it fits your schedule. 
You'll find links to the app, to the podcast, and to be able to download the program when you come to treasuretruthradio.org. Again, here is Pastor Ford. And so, come on, say it with me. If every Christian were just like me, what kind of church would our church be? Now think about it. You know, uh, if, if everybody gave like you gave, could we keep the lights on? If everybody witnessed like you witnessed, would anybody come to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior? If everybody came to worship services like you came to worship services, would we need to have one every week? If everybody read their Bible like you read their Bible? You know, one person said, look, if every Christian would blow the dust off of their Bibles, we'd have the greatest dust storm in the history of the world. If everybody prayed like you pray, would any prayers be prayed? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. See, the devil's going to shoot at us. How many times have I told you, if he can't mess your church up, what will he do? Join it. So we don't need to give him the bullets. Amen. He knows that if he can divide us, he can defeat us. And so, uh, uh, you know, some of us are doing the devil's work for him. I might have told you once before, we were at a deacon's meeting long time ago, almost 30 years ago, before we had elders. And one of the deacons who would, every time you have vision, he was a dream killer. And so finally, it was Popeye the sailor time. It's all I could stand. I couldn't stand no more. He said, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I have a question. Let me play devil's advocate. That was his favorite phrase. Let me play devil's advocate. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I normally try to control myself. You know what I'm saying? I wait till I get in my office to start cussing. Just teasing. <laughs> and I said, look, man, every time we talk about going forward, let me play the devil's. Look, just drop the advocate and tell the truth. You know, devil's advocate, you playing the devil. And so the, the Satan takes great delight when the trustees don't trust each other, when the greeters become haters, when the choir is sour at each other, when saints become agitators and not participators, when ministries cause misery, and when pastor is a divider rather than a unifier. And, you know, somebody may say, man, you're trying to step on our toes. No, I'm not. Uh, because if I'm stepping on your toes, I miss my mark. I'm aiming at your heart. I came today to talk about the words of Paul that he says, listen, that he's, he's now making an appeal uh, based on heart. And I've been a pastor here, one church, 35 years. And you know what I have found? There's no hurt like church hurt. No hurt like church hurt. If we could take a poll of the number of people who left church because they got hurt in church, we wouldn't be able to keep up with it. As a matter of fact, some of you know because some of you walked away because of church hurt. And I guarantee you it was a violation of what we're looking at today. All of those comprehensions uh, that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we suffer with those who suffer. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it's like, I remember, anybody remember when the kids used to say, now they say hating, and they had other terms. Remember you used to say, uh, quit dissing? Yeah, and, and so I said, man, that's a good phrase. 
You know, I need to bring it back and, and tell the church, quit dissing each other. Say, what do you mean quit dissing? You know, discouraging each other, being disloyal to each other, having disagreements with each other, discriminating against each other, disillusioning each other, disharmony with each other, disrespect of each other, disdain for one another, discord with one another, disesteem of one another, disorder with one another, disunity, dislike, disappointment, discredit, disgracing, discourteous, could read my own writing, and dissension with one another. Quit dissing each other. Now, Paul's making a similar argument. We've saw and we studied, it's a threefold argument. It's first of all, an argument from what? What was the first one? What was the first one? An argument from Freedom, freedom, that Christ has set you free and uh, we should not put ourselves back into bondage. I remember a brother who was here and uh, we had led him to Christ, wondrously saved and uh, growing in the grace. Then he uh, up in Jewel, he met somebody in the parking lot who was part of a cult. And they began to tell him, listen, listen, uh, you, you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? And he told him, he said, that's the first step. You got seven more to go. So then they asked for his phone number and address, and he gave them to him. That afternoon, or that evening when he came home from work, they were waiting on him. And they said, we know that, that God has his hand on you, and we wanted you to have real salvation, and so we came. And here's the thing. He said, you know what? They'd been to my house the first day they met me. No one from South Shore Baptist, that's our old name, came to my house. Not even you, Pastor. And they invited me to dinner. So they took me out and fed me. You, you remember what we studied last week? What did we say? That they do these things so they can put you in bondage and make you the slave. Let me give you a long story short. This actually happened. So he decided he was going to go downtown to where they worship. And, uh, you know, I went and tried to make an appeal to him and everything. And he said, see, you come to my house because you're trying to get me back. No, I'm trying to keep you from getting in the bondage, man. This is bondage here. This is a cult. Well, no, they're a well, kind cult. So long story short, they began to tell him how much money to give. Then they told him, this is the person that God said you're supposed to marry. And so they picked out his wife and picked her for him. And when he told me, I'm getting ready to get married, you got to come to the wedding. No, I'm not coming. When he told me they picked his wife, I said, man, what do you mean? They know. God told them they got discernment. We're going to make it. They didn't stay married a year. And I said, man, they've taken away your liberty. Can't you see that? Okay, now he's no longer married. He's no longer in that church. He's disillusioned and doesn't even want anything to do with the church at all. And I say, remember, the church you were in was the church that told you about your freedom in Christ. You know, and so, uh, you know, it, it happens all the time. Then he had an argument from fellowship. He talked about the spiritual connection, the social connection, and the physical connection. He used these things to say, hey, we are members one of another. We are connected. We should not be going through this argument about 
what you have in Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. The argument from fervency. He's going to talk about their love connection. Now we're going to go through 12 through 20 and I'm going to show you uh, what Paul is doing here. You say it's an argument from affection. It's a personal argument. Now, here's what's important to understand. He doesn't start with a personal argument. He starts with a preceptual argument. Why? Because it has to be based on the word of God and not the will of men. So he, he, he argues from the greatest to the lesser. But now it's about to get personal. So notice what Paul does as he makes this appeal. The first part of his personal appeal has to do with perspective. What does it have to do with? Perspective. Listen to what he says. Uh, brethren, verse 12, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. Now, here's, here's his argument. He's saying that we got to get personal about this uh, because there is a personal element uh, to what transpired with you as believers. So here's what he's saying in verse 12. I want you to try to see it from my perspective as opposed to your perspective. He's saying, put yourself in my place, walk in my shoes. Why? Because how you see the problem often is the problem. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford, a message called A Threefold Appeal. It's taken from Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to get back to this teaching on our next broadcast. But if you ever miss a program, you can always catch up by coming to our website. Stop by treasuretruthradio.org. You can download an MP3 for free. You can stream the program through your computer or mobile device, or you can order copies of this broadcast on CD. Just come to treasuretruthradio.org. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that Pastor Ford is passionate about marriage and relationships. And you can see the different book titles when you come to our website. It's treasuretruthradio.org. And look for the link that says Books by Pastor Ford. You know, Pastor, one of the uh, things that's so encouraging about being involved in a ministry like this is regular feedback from listeners talking about how God is using this program in their lives. Yes, they're growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of them don't have the opportunity at times to get to Bible study. Uh, sometimes uh, they don't get the chance to study on their own at home. Yeah. Uh, but they turn on their radio and uh, Moody Radio is there. Uh, the plethora of teachers and uh, good sound teaching and they're able to be edified and built up. And so I know that our listeners want to support us with one-time gifts and monthly gifts. And remember, yeah. no gift is too small because it's not what I do with a million if a million would be my lot. But it's what I'm going to do right now with a dollar and quarter I got. <laughs> well, if you would like to uh, give a one-time gift or an ongoing monthly gift, you can do that easily by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. Look for that link that says make a donation and you can give your gift safely and securely online both the ongoing monthly gift and the one-time gift. Again, that's at treasuretruthradio.org. Thanks for giving. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time here on Treasure Truth, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs>